Blog Talk Radio. Somebody out there got a dream. Somebody out there got a dream. Yeah. No, you got one. No, you got one. Devastating 
and like a death blow like last night Spurs demolishing of the Heat. It just looked totally different. And it just, I mean, did you watch the game last night? I did. I did, actually. And, and you know, the the thing about it, man, is that when I think about how these teams approach the game, you know, that that first half, the Heat looked really, really uh, hot. Um, they got knocked out with that uh, that last second shot at halftime. Uh-huh. Right. It really, yep. really kind of hurt them. And uh, and I think that that took an emotional toll on them. But man, when I when I was watching in the second half, it 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 really looked like the Heat kind of gave up. You know, uh, yeah, right. Antonio went on that run. And basically, what they're thinking about is, look, we need what we need to do is we need to win one out here in San Antonio and go home. Well, what they do the two three two this time, right? Right, which doesn't make sense to me. Go? Right. Yes, yeah, two three two. But, that doesn't make sense to me, but yeah. Right, but um, but anyway, so th- so they're really you know trying to get their one. I think when when San Antonio made that big push, they said, hey, you know we'll pack it in, we'll get a little rest, and we'll get ready uh for for game four because because uh, they're obviously kick um clicking on all cylinders. So I I didn't really feel like it was a death blow per se, but I definitely felt like. Uh, you know anybody who was sleeping on San Antonio? I know I saw some people say, "Well, you know the the, the Heat went through Indiana and they went through Chicago, and you know this team isn't any better." Um, there's a big difference between those teams, in my opinion. You know, besides the the uh, the players, but the coaching man, uh, Greg Popovich is just a serious serious coach, and you know he gets overshadowed by Phil Jackson a lot, but he's definitely quite accomplished though. So. Uh, but the Heat will come back. I'm, I'm, I still got them winning. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't I, I, I'm still hoping for the Heat. That's who I went in thinking. You know, they they are what five and zero after losing a game in the playoffs. Um, but it was just like, man, the, the Spurs just couldn't miss last night. You had a guy who'd been cut twice from the Spurs, and a guy who wasn't even drafted, who just came in there and just totally well, 52 points they put up. And these were bench players put up 52 points between the two of them, and the Heat's big three was outscored by them them too. So uh now that's the scary part about Miami is that, you know, where where's Bosch? Where's uh Wade this whole playoff time? So you're just hoping that uh they got three games left in them to come out here and do something. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what yeah, happens. I think I think the the more interesting story is gonna be what happens in, in the uh in the off season because I think when, when this big three uh, got together, we all uh, envisioned them kind of being together for a, a good minute, man. And, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, I would not be surprised if, if they're broken up next year just because it's just, you know, Bosh, Bosh and Wade aren't really contributing in a way that that um, that would make me feel secure about my franchise. So right. I'm sure Pat Riley is thinking that too. I thought about the same thing, and I think the the big thing is going to be um, Wade's health if he can actually get healed and come back um, healthy next year. Uh, but I think Chris Bosh has been exposed. <laughs> I think that he's not built. To, that he, they're not going to get past Indiana and and um, uh, Chicago with uh, Derrick Rose next year and things like that if they don't have better play from Chris Bosh. So they're going to have to get somebody else in there. So we'll see what happens because I mean these guys only sign four year deals which expires next year. They have the you know option to expand, you know, extend their contracts, but they're only there until 2014 unless they decide to stay longer. So we'll see what happens. But um, so speaking of while we're in the state of Florida, man, you know the uh, Trayvon Martin trial started this week. So this was the big story from last year. Um, it is so it seemed like it was so long ago when that action, I mean the situation actually happened. 
uh, George Zimmerman, I said Trayvon Martin trial, but actually George Zimmerman trial is uh, finally starting. Uh, the jury selection has has been starting. It's saying it's going to take a couple, about two weeks. The trial may take a few months. Uh, you know, it's been a long time coming, man. You know, what, what, what's your take on it, man? I know there's a lot of emotion, a lot of things said, you know, a year or so ago, a year and a half at this time, uh, when this first started happening. Now it's finally uh, trial time. Um, what, what are you expecting? What are you looking for? What do you think? What are your thoughts on this whole situation right now? Well, well, honestly, I, I really, I really, um, I think it's a, it's a bit of a, of a it's, it's either a slam dunk or a powder keg, one, one or the other. In that, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, I, I don't, I don't see how a credible argument can be made for George Zimmerman, given what I understand, and you know how, you know that I'm, I'm always pretty. Um, I'm always very hesitant to uh, speculate if I haven't seen much of the much of the evidence. But you know, this is one of those things where it's just hard. It's hard when you have the dispatcher telling the guy to uh, you know basically to stand down, stay in your car, and, and the guy goes out and chases after some kid, and then he says that he is standing his ground. So you know, I I don't. It's going to be interesting to see unless they get you know 12 Fox News uh, listeners. <laughs> Uh, in that in that jury, it's going to be difficult to to um, yeah. to um, let them off. But you know, we we came up in the age of, of the O.J. Simpson trial, right, right. and exactly. and the and the uh, Rodney King trial. So I think you know it's always in the back of my head what what's going to happen if if um, you know the law doesn't. The, I mean, if the if the judicial system doesn't you know convict this guy, given that uh, that that the evidence that that people widely know. Seems so, um, you know. Seems so clear uh, that he uh, that he's guilty. What and and it just seems, unfortunately, at this time, it just seems like you know we're more apt to expect something shady to go down and him get off versus justice to be served. So I think mm-hmm. that, like you said, kind of a product of our generation and the things that we've seen. Um, but uh, you know, that's we'll, we'll see. You know, hopefully, justice prevails. Uh, and, and by that, you know, justice being one of the facts, hopefully the, 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 the decision matches the facts that are presented. That's what I'll say. So, you know, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. So we'll see what happens. But um, one, more, one more announcement before we get into our show, man, because we got a, a, a big, big uh, new segment that we started last month. So we're going to get into that in two minutes. But we've got Recess 2013 coming up. So we're excited about Recess 2013. That's our annual summertime uh, R&B event. Uh, we're going to be in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., the first weekend in August, August 2nd through 4th. So we have uh, the room reservation is available right now on the website, com. And we've got uh, hotels at the Renaissance downtown on um, 9th Street, and they hooked us up with a great deal for just $99 a night. So folks who are coming in town, even if you even if you live in DC, just want to stay down there, make it easy on yourself for the weekend. I mean, ninety nine dollars a night, uh, we've been able to get that rate. I think it's normally about you know one thirty or something like that. So definitely go ahead, go online, register, uh, get your room uh, now, and, and meet at Recess twenty thirteen. As you said uh, last week, we're going to see what couple we can match this year. <laughs> you know what one thing we joke but one thing i will say is there there's a lot more buzz than there's ever been uh for recent well maybe the, the first year we might add a little bit 
um, it might be equal to this year's buzz, but a lot of buzz in the in the Facebook group about recess. So all of you people buzzing, let's not uh, say at the last minute, oh man, uh, uh, well what had happened was uh, <laughs> we wouldn't see <laughs> right. you there. Look, if I'm there, you can be there. That's what I'll, that's what I'll say. Absolutely. All right, man. So definitely go ahead and get get registered for Recess 2013. So, man, we want to go ahead into our, our first segment of the show. We have a new segment with um, a young lady who was phenomenal last month. Uh, this is our segment we're going to call Corporate Ladder Segment. Uh, we have Hannah Cole, who is a career coach and HR specialist, who is now a contributor on the Ryan and Brian Show. So, Hannah, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Hello, Ryan and Brian. How are Hello. you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me again. Wonderful. Now, Hannah, the last we uh, last month rather, you know, you gave us some great information uh, about the job market and, and things like that. Now, this week, I know this month, I know you have some great information you have in store for us this week. But before we get into that, tell people right now so they can start looking up uh, some inf- contact information for you, and then you can jump right into what you have for us this month. Absolutely. Again, my name is Hennifer Cole, CEO of Career Image Solutions, where we provide human resources-related services for career seekers, business owners, as well as students. So we do everything from resume development uh, to business incorporation, as well as offering trainings and workshops for all three target markets. Uh, We can also be found on www.career-image.com. With that said, <laughs> two things, Ryan and Brian and the fellow listeners that um that I wanted to talk about today actually has to deal with um two issues that would make anyone go crazy, especially as it relates to your career. And it has to deal with being unemployed and being at a dead end job. Now we all know unemployment has been all over the news, especially in the, the presidential candidacy. Everyone's talking about unemployment. Um, as a matter of fact, in two, from 2009 to 2011, nationwide, we were at an unemployment rate of 9%. Don't know if you all knew, uh, but it actually decreased in 2012 to so about 8.2%. And as of April, um, nationally, we're actually at about 7.6%. Um, so, you know, we've definitely seen some progress. Um, um, the politicians are definitely doing their part. We do have some states. Uh, about 43 states actually decreased. Um, then we still have a few states that went up, and and uh, for, where I am in Maryland, we actually went down. Uh, we're actually at 6.5%. Illinois is still at a rocket 9.3%, um, and North Dakota is about 3.3%. And I said all of that to say that um, regardless of what the unemployment rate is, we still have to acknowledge that there are thousands of people that are unemployed. And I think that the majority of people probably don't want to be unemployed, you know. <laughs> um, so so with that said, I mean, there, I, I just wanted to present the listeners today with five things to do while you're unemployed or at a dead-end job. All right. I, I don't know if any of you have been in either one of those situations. I have, and it is not a uh, it is not a happy moment. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, right, but in meeting, in, 
Yeah, but in, in meeting with the clients, um, definitely came up with some um, some things that people could do if they find themselves into a, uh, into this situation. Uh, so the first thing, obviously, it, it sounds like a no-brainer. We all hear the saying, you know, it's not what you know but who you know, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, and we have to deal with network, 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 network. But what does this really mean when we are unemployed or at a dead-end job. The first thing is you can network within your professional associations, but I want to say that, you know, especially if you're at a dead-end job or if you're unemployed, you want to you want to become a member of professional associations that in the industry that you want to become a part of um, because a lot of people may be in positions or jobs where they really, that's not really where they want to be in the next five years. I would definitely recommend that you become a member um, within associations. So if you are currently a teacher but you want to be a nurse, start enrolling uh, in, into associations that are nursing-related, for example. Another um, another way to network is through your alumni chapters. Everyone loves to represent their high schools and college and, you know, things of that nature. That is an excellent, excellent resource to inform your alumni chapter to say, hey, you know what, I'm looking for this. This is the type of work. Do you know someone that may be in this industry? Um, that's just such a great, great resource. Um, especially in alumni chapters, especially career development offices within college campuses, they love that. They love for you to go back to them to say, hey, this is the type of work I'm looking for because it's kudos for them, and they actually get to report that as part of their statistics. Um, another way um, to network is to inform individuals. I remember last month we talked a lot about, you know, some social media, uh, Facebook and things of that nature, but, I mean, how awesome would it be for you you know, you have hundreds and some people even have thousands of friends just to kind of put out there to say, hey, you know what, I'm looking for work. And I know some people's pride may get in the way, but listen, you need to put it aside and let people in your social media network know that you're looking for work. You just never know who knows who. Networking is vital, very vital, especially while you're unemployed or at a dead-end job. Uh, the second thing is is to have your profile ready. What I mean by that is, number one, you have to have a professionally written resume. It sounds like rocket science, but you would be surprised at the clients that come to say, hey, you know what, I haven't worked in so-and-so long, and you look at their resume and you say, wait a minute, this is the resume you've been using? You know, and it's just like, oh, it's like, huh, no wonder why no one else is picking you up. And, you know, a lot of people think that their resume is already intact because they received the last job. Um, but that could have been through network, you know, and maybe they just didn't pay attention to your resume. Um, we definitely um, use utilize a, a professional resume writing service by the name of RG Resume Writing, and um, I definitely would just recommend individuals, especially if you're in this position, make sure that it's professionally written, make sure someone else reviews it, um, because you never know. You may think that it looks good, but it may not be what the employers are really looking for. Um, another thing. Um, before we go, sorry, before we go to the next, next, okay, before sure. we go to the next thing on the resume piece, um, because like you said, sometimes people have resumes and, and it's worked for the job, so they haven't really gone back to it. Um, what uh, maybe one or two things you can give us that should be on the resume to make it professional, or maybe it shouldn't be. What are some some tips you can just give us there from your experiences oh, and what you've seen? 
Oh, absolutely. One of the um, main things, especially um, as it relates to individuals that are that may be at that dead end job, they may be at um, in a particular industry or position where that, that's not really their de- desired position. I would always recommend that they cater the resume to the job that they want. A lot of people make the mistake of just having a generic resume that they send to every employer, and that's not what you want to do. You want to make sure that. You know, if it's for an accounting position, you want to make sure that that particular resume, although you have an HR background, you want to pull out some of the accounting experience that you have and you want to make sure that that's highlighted. I'm giving you, I guess, a free tip here as well. You, You may want to also put the title of that position in your resume header. That's a, a very key way of, a good way of letting the employer know, hey, you know what, I read the job description, I'm the person that you're looking for. Because people, I mean, we get so many resumes, so many resumes, but you want to make sure that you stand out. So making sure that, you know, your resume is catered towards that particular position and, you know, you may want to put it at the, at the, the position title, you know, as the header of your resume. Those are definitely some good tips. Real, real fast, uh, just just uh, another I mean, if you could get more specific about that. So when you say that you put it in the header of the title of your mm-hmm. resume, how, mm-hmm. how does that actually look? Because most, most resumes that I've seen, it has the person's name at the top, and then it uh-huh. might ha- have, like, an, an objective, or I've, I've started to see more people with kind of, you know, a, a profile statement that, that says, you know, the type of, of worker they are or something like that. How, how does mm-hmm. this uh, how would you put put the title in your header? So right under that, um, we, we definitely play, um, the team and I, we play around with a lot of different, you know, formatting, obviously. But right under that profile statement, what someone could do is, um, you know, um, and, and each section can be um, – can be separated with lines. So right after that profile section or that objective summary or that summary of qualifications, you can have the header right underneath of that before you start going into your work experience. So if the position is looking for, I'm a little biased because I am in HR, so if the position is, um, says that they're looking for a human resources generalist, you want to put human resources generalist right after that, and then you can go into your work experience. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Cool. All right. Number three, I think we're on. Yes, we are. Volunteer. While you're unemployed, um, a a lot of people just say, you know, think that they should just keep applying for jobs, but you want to go and volunteer, um, especially the large firms or in industries, like I said, that you're desired, uh, that that's desirable to you, you know. Um, Even if you're volunteering, a lot of people don't know this, even if you're volunteering for one hour a week, for about six months while you're unemployed. You can put that down as your resume, and you don't have to separate it as a volunteer experience. Now you have experience that says, hey, you know what? I have experience on blah, 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 and I've been doing it for six months. Most employers don't ask you how many hours you worked at that particular job. They just want to know that you know it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Did you have something about that, Lion? Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking so so you're saying that you you put that under your experience section with your work experience or, or you have a a separate section that that talks about your volunteerism. You know, it just depends on the person's background, but you do not have to separate that as volunteer experience because if I volunteered, let's say in an HR department for 2 hours a week, 
that's still that's still work experience that I can consider mm-hmm. as, even though I was, even though it was non-paid. Now, if you ask me specifically on the job application, was this particular experience or or position was it paid or non-paid? Then you you want to identify it accordingly. However, most employers don't necessarily even ask that anymore. They want to see in your resume that you have the experience. So a good way to kind of fill up the gaps, especially as it relates to to unemployment, is to volunteer. Again, in the industry that you want to be in, that's a great way of getting that experience and a great way of making it look better on your resume. Awesome. Number four, did you have something else? Nope. Okay. Uh, Number four is to get trained. you know, it's, it's, that's the perfect time to um, either pursue higher education. If you don't have your degree, go and get one. Or if you already have one or that's not really a motive of yours, um, you can even inquire if you're at that dead-end job. You can even see most jobs have uh, a database with, like, online training portals. Uh, but even if they don't offer it, there's so many things on, on YouTube. Even our company, we have um, access to, you know, different training modules just to make sure that your skills are being refreshed, especially in the areas in which you want to be in. Um, so you definitely want to make sure that, you know, um, you, you are getting, you're getting trained um, in whatever area that it may be. The last thing is be positive. So many times, I don't know if you've been in the workplace and, you know, um, you can tell those people that are unhappy. You know, you want to be positive about it because what you're doing by reflecting negativity, you're not making your associations, (laughs) you know, it's not likely that they're going to refer you to a job opening because, oh, I don't want to be here, Um, I'm at a dead-end job, or woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. You want to make sure that you're being positive and really taking a realistic view to say, hey, you know what, I'm unemployed, and I, or you want to say, I'm at this dead-end job. Why am I here? What is it that you did do or you have not done that has gotten that has gotten you to that point? Um, so you want to kind of just take a, you know, reflect and make sure that you, you have a positive outlook about it so that way you can start attracting um, those things that are, are that you do desire, if that makes any sense. Right. Yeah. Oh, that definitely makes sense. I, I think uh, we didn't really comment on number four, but when you talk about getting trained, I know uh, out here in Michigan, it's, it's kind of you know manufacturing capital of, of the world, so to speak. Right. But um, but the the interesting thing is that there are uh, several there's several jobs that are available that employers can't even fill because they're because the people don't have the the training and the skills to fill those. So. So there are instances where I think, you know, get, getting training, but then also understanding, you know, wh- which kind of jobs are in high demand and to, to the extent that you can, trying to, to get training in those fields because um, because there, there are several things that, that you're just not going to get a job in anymore. And we and we definitely have to have to move forward. So that that was a key one I know with, with people, especially here in Michigan, uh, that, that could be very useful. Absolutely, and just to piggyback off of that, you know, if someone has the training, um, there's there's a, a great likelihood that that person may be selected even though they don't have the experience. But just for the simple fact that they went to attain the training, you know, puts them as a qualified candidate. Right. Um, on the other flip side um, question about what about people who 
um, have have been in one profession, and while they're in that transition or trying to find uh, work, they may be find themselves in a position that are just trying to get work but overqualified for certain things. Uh, are there any tips you can give for people how to um, even get into those positions just to be working in the meantime um, where something that it may not necessarily be a career move they're trying to make, but they're just trying to get work, um, but they've been turned down for whatever reasons? Absolutely. That's um, a huge, huge problem that we um, have been seeing, especially with the um, unemployment rates. You have really qualified individuals that just can't find work, you know, um, or they think that they're too overqualified. One of the the, um, the biggest tips that I would give that type of individual, unfortunately, they may have to play down their experience. So, um Immediately what comes to mind is an individual that has, let's say, a decade worth of supervisory experience. And let's say they are applying just, you know, just to get a job um, for a technician, you know, ex- you know, with, that doesn't require any supervisory skills. They may want to just pull out, especially in their resume, um, their technical skills and not emphasize their supervisory, you know, duties. So, unfortunately, you may just have to kind of scale down um, some of what you can do um, a little bit um, because that that is a challenge. Because, you know, from the employer perspective, from the hiring perspective, if you position yourself as a business owner and, you you know, you're, you're, uh, you have a position for a technician and someone with their master's degree comes and applies for it, it's just like, wait a minute, I don't want to hire this person because the likelihood is, is that they're not going to stay. And that's going to be more costly to me to bring you on board, spend all of this money with new high orientation, this any other, only for there to be an increase in turnover because you won't stay. Right. Well, Hannah, does does your firm uh, do coaching on how to dumb down the interview too? I mean, like if if somebody (laughs) asks you the question and you you say a lot of a lot of ums and errs and that type of thing. Maybe you had a uh, home business or maybe you did something else 
Uh, maybe you volunteered and you got to work through your church organization, whatever. Um, so you have experience in another field, um, but not documented work experience in that field, and you're trying to change careers now. Um, any tips on how to kind of navigate that and put make that uh, show on paper um, so that you can even get called in for an interview? Absolutely. Um, again, um, putting that that title there, you know, as, as a header is one of the, one of the things. But also, um, maybe even putting a qualification uh, summary of qualifications or areas of expertise. Um, so those areas in which you know you feel like you have uh, experience in, you want to highlight that up front. So that way, when the employer or the, the screening individual sees it right away, they'll see those. Um, those, those um, areas of expertise highlighted right up front. You know, you want to bulletize it. So, you know, if you've gained experience at your church with organizational management or, you know, you've become an expert uh, with Microsoft Office, you want to put that there all the way at the top, especially if it pertains to the position in which you want to apply for. So that's definitely a tip. Um, we, we recommend that for individuals, uh, what you were just saying, Brian. Um, was that Brian or Ryan? <laughs> that was Ryan. Uh, that was Ryan, Ryan, yeah. <laughs> that's definitely what we would recommend. All right. Well, good stuff. Any closing words you want to give and your contact information one more time? Absolutely. Uh, we can be contacted at uh, info at career image.com um, the website is www.career-image.com um, again career seekers business owners and or students thank you so much all right thanks all right, a lot thank we appreciate it talk to you next month all right thank you all right it always gives us great information man i still go tweaking some things now <laughs> right there you go there you go but um, cool, cool, cool. So, all right. So, uh, oh, all right. Here we go. We've got to go into our next thing. I was going to play commercial, but you know we're going to keep it moving. It's already nine thirty-three. So, uh, I, we're going to go to a, a subject that kind of um, piggybacks on what we just discussed. Um, I saw an article today uh, about the worst, uh, the best and worst degrees for the money. Um, so, for a lot of us, this might be you know too late. <laughs> information because we've already got the degrees, <laughs> but a lot of us have kids, and, and a lot of us mentor young kids as well. Uh, so, you know, they might want to, and again, you might be interested in changing a career or whatever it may be. Uh, so here's some important information for the other people that we that we may come in contact with. And, and this survey was showing the best and worst degrees uh, for the money. And what it did was pretty much it discussed the how much it costs to get certain degrees and then how much the median income, the mean income was for these jobs. So the average income of the, the career versus how long, how much you pay for the degree to be qualified for the career, as well as how long it would take to pay off the student loans based on the salary for that career. That makes sense? That does. Okay, cool. You, you're a little slow on the answer. Had me scared. For a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, trying to, I was trying to unravel it all in my head. Like, okay. Yeah. All right, so here we go. We're going to start with uh, some of the, the top um, jobs, the top degrees to have. And, and ironically, my degree is number one on the list, um, advertising and marketing. Now, this says the average advertising and marketing person makes $107,000. Clearly, I'm below average in this field. <laughs> 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 I'm like, where did they do that at? 
But uh, now the advertising and marketing folks, uh, they're averaging $107,000 in that field. Uh, so with that kind of um, salary, uh, it would take, on average, six years to pay off the debt to get the degrees to be qualified to be in advertising and marketing. So uh, that's just uh, number one. Um, you got a list, Brian? Do you yeah. want to go ahead? And- I, I do have a list. Uh, the second is actually an economist. Uh, $92,000 is the, the median income. That's what you said, median, right? Not, not right, average yeah. income. Um, right. And it would take seven years to uh, to pay that off. So, so again, you know, pretty pretty well in line with the advertising marketing in terms of being uh, kind of a business a business degree, I'd say. But uh, mm-hmm. pretty pretty decent salary there. Yep, absolutely. And uh, then there was a civil engineer. Uh, civil engineers, they say, come out of college can make eighty thousand dollars a year. Uh, so doing that, you're looking at um, the, the cost of the degree to become a civil engineer. Most of them can get that with just a bachelor's degree, so about eight and a half years to pay that off. So, again, good for the value. We're talking about getting off, getting paid, getting your student loan debt paid back down. Right. Oh, wow. This next one is really shocking to me. Um, it was to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> political science, $102,000 a year but it takes 8.5 years. So, you know, that might make sense because I guess if you're a poli-sci major, you could go into law. It's gonna, you're going to have a little bit more debt. It takes you a little longer to pay off. So maybe that makes sense. Or <laughs> or you're uh, going into government, you're in the Senate, and you get a, a fat hookup from, from some type of uh, <laughs> some type of lobbyist. Right. <laughs> Once you stop, stop doing your time. In, in the Senate or working in government. So, very interesting. Absolutely. All right. Then on the flip side, there was the uh, the bottom four, which were the worst degrees for the money. And this isn't talking about the job per se, but it's just basically talking about value, um, what it costs you to get a degree, how much you're going to make, and then how long it's going to take you to pay off that degree. Um, and the top of that list was teacher. The average teacher makes $43,000 coming out of college, and it's going to take – uh, pretty much about 20 years to pay back the debt on the student loans uh, based on that salary and what you're going to have to take to become a, a teacher. So they, they're getting kicked in the butt again, man. <laughs> right. Well, you know, my question here is, is this just coming out of college or is it, it didn't really say which degree they had, correct? Yeah, it was the minimal um what the minimal education they needed to be qualified. So teachers kind of, you know, I guess questionable because you don't have to have a master's or PhD to become a teacher. Um, but I know right. that 43,000 is pretty much average starting right out of college for most teachers around that 43 range. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah. Wow. At least, look, at least look, on, in the, this area, the DMV area, oh, okay. it's about 43. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm thinking back uh, 97, I think that would have been kind of high, but I forget. You know, I'm just getting old. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So no, the next the next one the next one is kind of surprising um, is a vet uh, a, a um, vet it would it, uh, the salary is eighty four thousand dollars in twenty eight years so it looks like there's a, a decent salary there but uh, I guess the amount of education you need uh, you know to pay to pay off or, or in the debt you accumulate is going to take a lot longer right so that one was surprising too when I saw the salary amount. But I guess it takes a lot to learn how to work on animals. Uh, but then yeah, next you know, the people love. Oh, go ahead. I know. Okay. I, I was saying it. I was going to say people love their animals. That's probably going to come up with all the uh, 
with a lot of the, the different, um, uh, you, you know, you have like pet insurance and all these different these different oh, products. You have pet clothes and all that kind of stuff. I could I could see that that uh, salary coming up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, we know you're not a pet lover, so we're gonna keep it moving. <laughs> Next is the news reporter. <laughs> Next is the news reporter, man. These uh, news reporters, they average $37,000 coming out of college, um, and, and it takes about 31 years to pay back that debt, which I don't really understand how that number came. I mean, 31 years to pay back. I don't know how much <laughs> experience you need to be a news reporter. Uh, but well, well, <laughs> well, well, I just wonder. I, I mean, there there are a lot of older news reporters. Uh, I mean, like, that that could be the reason. You know, it'd be interesting to see what what it takes to be a, a television meteorologist and what kind of money they make. Because ironically, they end up being like television personalities and stuff and making uh-huh. big big loot. <laughs> so that would be very interesting to look at. I guess they. I think they probably well, do make more. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Well, the final one is uh, a family marriage therapist makes $46,000 a year, and it takes 35 years to pay that off. Now, if you ask me, I think what's happening is that it's taking longer because those folks are probably getting married and divorced, and they have to pay alimony, so it takes them longer to pay off their uh, (laughs) their debt. (laughs) They're not following their own advice. Exactly, you know how that how that is. A lot of times, that people when they when they really study things too hard, it's like they they can't apply it. No, it's just, it's just jokes. Any any marriage and family therapist out there, I, I, I'm just making making jokes, making jokes. Right. Don't call into the show and ask for, for me to get fired because you're not working for anybody. Right, like you're, you're the boss and you fire yourself, like Jerry Jones. Hey, look, we got a we got a question. Let me go to the let me go to the lines, man. Um, if you were calling, if you call, <laughs> you, you know what? Calling from three one three. Welcome to the show. <laughs> hey Ryan, Brian, how's it going, guys? Hey, uh, going on, Peter? what's your name? What's your name, caller? <laughs> hey man, you know who this is. What's going on? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, much, man. Good, good. Good show tonight. Good show tonight. Uh, these are very uh, excellent tips. Oh, by the way, Brian, uh, congrats to your nephews. They're graduating from high school. It's so good to hear uh, our young uh, black men graduating from school. I just want to throw a shout-out to our graduates from my Omega chapter in Detroit who are receiving the Detroit Omega Foundation scholarship on this Saturday. We send young black males to HBCUs for four years. We don't pay all of their tuition, but we pay some of their tuition as long as they are enrolled at HBCU. So we have to continue the lift as we climb thing and uh, support young people in their uh, financial endeavors to keep them in college and at the same time also uh, provide them with networking opportunities, just as your host had so eloquently articulated. And cause that's the only way we're going to survive is if we uh, help each other and continue to provide each other resources and uh, you know some food for thought so that we can uh, survive these changing economic times. Right, definitely, definitely. Well, thanks, man. Hey, we we definitely appreciate that. Um, and uh, and and my nephews probably thank you as well. Always our, our number one support supporter that's Peter Boykin. Thank you very much, man. No problem, brothers. Have a good evening. Have a good evening, Pete. All right. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, Ryan, it, it's good you didn't go to commercial because we you, you must have uh, been able to predict what was coming. <laughs> so that's awesome, man. I, I really I think that that's good that that, that uh, when people chip in and help to pay for college, and I guess he could tell his his uh, his kid, <laughs> don't be marriage and family <laughs> therapist. <laughs> I, just got, I just got the whole commercial thing. <laughs> it hit me a little slow, a little late. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Why, why, why run run our own commercials when people can call in and give it? <laughs> that's, that's all right. All right, man. Well, hey, at least we know somebody's out there listening. But uh, <laughs> that's what I said. Our number complain. one fan, man. We. And, and for, our, for our other listeners out there, uh, Peter is real. I've had people ask, is, is, this, is that guy real? And it's like, yeah, he's real. Yeah, he's definitely absolutely. Real. Yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> absolutely. So, man, we got a couple of subjects for our Ask R&B. We're going to see how many we can squeeze in in the last uh, 15 minutes here. Um, well, actually, one thing before, it wasn't technically an Ask R&B segment, I mean question, but we got to talk about uh, the Edward Snowden guy, man. Um you know, the, the the NSA guy who, you know, from what I've seen so far now has come out that apparently he was a high school dropout, an Army washout, um, was working as a security guard, just all of a sudden went up to top-level security clearance, and now he's, you know, let go of uh, um, all the leaks from the NSA. So the question is, man, you know, people are kind of torn on this right now. Is he a whistleblower or is he a Benedict Arnold? What, what is your take on this? What do you think about uh, Mr. Snowden, who's now um, apparently holed up in Hong Kong. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I guess he's, I guess he's a, he's a whistleblower. Um, I would call him a Benedict Arnold if he, if he were, you know, spying for a specific, um, for a specific country. Uh, he, I, you say he's a whistleblower, but it's so funny when people act so shocked about all this going on. And I'm like, man, you didn't, you don't watch Enemy of the State? Will Smith right. told you people are right. doing that like, <laughs> you know, 10, 15 years ago. You know, it's it's one of those things that I think, uh, I think the president uh, definitely uh, mentioned, and that's that there, you, there's a delicate balance between having, uh, having uh, full, um, you know, uh, an, anonymity and not being uh, not being spied on or, or listened to or whatever, and keeping our what's called keeping our our citizens safe. You know, I didn't hear anybody uh, protesting when when the uh, when the, the the Boston Marathon bombing happened, and they were able to use videotape that was taping people on the streets um, to catch the to catch the killers. You know, when it when it ends up working out for you, you kind of appreciate it. So you know, I think I think in his case. Sure, he was blowing a whistle and, and talking about things that the government was doing, but you know that it wasn't a big shock to me. I, I think anybody who, who was a big shock to uh, may be um, a bit hyperbolic in, in their in their response, but um, because I, I just think it, it goes on. So, uh, so that's kind of my take. But what, which side are you on on that one? Yeah, the fact that it was going on wasn't a shock at all to me. Um... You know, I think that shoot, that's why I turn off my tracking on my phone all the time because you just know people are watching. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the little, the least I could do. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, like, look, like those, look, it's, it's like it's like it's like submitting a, a resume on, on Monster dot com. At least you feel like you're doing something, even if it <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, a little bit, right? 
Right, but like you know, you know you're watched. You know there's only so much you can do, so you try to take the pieces that you you have control over, make yourself feel better about it. Um, right. But you know, so it's not like the information so much was should have been a surprise to people. I think that um, I just think that anybody though who is, is giving out this classified information, whether it be just to the public, whether it be to other countries, you know, we had the guy who did the big WikiLeaks um, leak uh, a couple years ago. Uh, it, it's just, I got to ask, like, what's your motivation? Like, what side are you on? <laughs> you know, there's there's got to be other ways to go about doing this if you feel something is wrong uh, than jeopardizing um, not just the individuals but the work that's been put in uh, for so long So uh, to try to get people safe. I mean, no one wants to be uh, spied on. I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily uh, cool or right. Um, however, if you're not really doing anything, it's not going to come up. <laughs> so, you know, you're not going to be one that's going to be setting off, you know, pings in the in the system to be to look out for. So, um, but him, you know, I, I just wish that I, my biggest question is how to get there. You know, that's what starts to look like at this point. Like, exactly. Yeah. What? Who is this guy? Um, if you look at his background, how did he get there? Um, you know, we've talked. People have been saying all day about people that they know who who have qualifications, who've been working in government for years, who have pristine backgrounds, uh, who still are working to get. Uh, the levels of clearance that this guy um, seemingly was just handed, you know, so like was someone, you know, was he put there for this sole purpose, uh, you know, and, and, and how that happened. So those are some of the questions I have more so than what he released, what was going on with the government. I think, you know, it, and this is beyond who the president is to me. And, you know, it, it I never thought that that kind of stuff was going to stop just because Barack Obama was president. I'm not one of these right. people who just blindly think that, oh, because he's there, everything is good now. I don't think that everything he does is necessarily good or right. Um, right. Just because he, he's but, the president. Especially as, especially as it, as it pertains to uh, anything militarily, foreign policy, privacy, that type of thing. He's been very yeah. much kind of the same as, yeah, uh, as the previous administration. Pretty much. So, you know, um, we'll, we'll see. It's one of those um, evolving stories. Uh, that, you know, just like most news stories, though, they break out so big and then you never know what happens. So we're going to have to, you know, kind of try to stay on top of this and see what happens and uh, just what, you know, there might be a, a John Grisham movie <laughs> in a couple of years mm-hmm. or something. So once we find out what really happened uh, with this situation, so who knows. But um, shout out, speaking of politics, while we're on, a shout out to Cory Booker. You know, everyone was thinking he might run for president in 2016, uh, but it looks like he decided to run for Senate. So, yep. um, you know, um, Mrs. Booker is waiting out there for him. I won't say her name on the radio. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, Cory Booker uh, from the state of New Jersey, the, the uh, mayor of Newark, he's been making some, some big waves, and he's going to run for Senate. So we're going to see what happens with that. Uh, if he wins that Senate race uh, for the I, – I, I don't remember the guy's name, uh, the former senator who passed away – um, mm-hmm. in, in New Jersey, but he was the oldest um, war veteran senator, senator, so he just passed away. So Cory Booker is in the runoff for that, and we'll see what happens, see if he um, has yeah. as much clout as it looks like his momentum is showing, if the rest of the state likes him as much as Newark does, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, so I, well from what, I, what I've seen, uh, you know, he has, a, he has a huge lead on, on you know, the next uh, the next most popular person. Uh, you know, but my thing is he better hurry up and get married, man, because um, – <laughs> You know, being being a senator is kind of like being a pastor sometimes. <laughs> you know, it's like you're, you're better off going ahead and settling down because, you know, you can't be out dating as a senator. 
it's just it's, it's very. I think it's very difficult. It's hard not to fall into some uh, into some mess. So, uh, you know, especially if he wants to be president, he's going to be a senator. Uh, Cory Booker finds you a wife. We have, oh, we have we, one for you if you can't find. I said maybe we can, we can get him and you know who to come to recess this year. Maybe we can hook that up. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It happened last year. That's it. So I tell you. All right, man. One more thing we got here. Um, we, we did have a question that came in on the website. Uh, I'm going to read this. This one it talks about quality time and busy scheduling. So let me just read what the uh, question was. Um, and this person was actually asked by a female friend of his. Um, about a guy she was currently dating, and she felt that he wasn't making uh, an effort of spending more time with her. Uh, she said she demanded time without text messaging, uh, just actually face-to-face time. And when she requested that time, the guy stopped calling her. Uh, so he, he suggested that maybe the guy wasn't interested or was interested in someone else and she should keep it moving. Um, so uh, what what – are some of those? What are some ways to make quality time? Okay, there we go. So the question was, what are some ways to make that quality time with people uh, with a busy schedule? Because we know, you know, people are moving. You got busy schedules nowadays. Um, people are so um, handicapped by social media, text messaging, technology that we lose that that physical contact with people. Uh, but some people need that quality time. Uh, so in this day and age, what are some advice or, or tips that people can use? to be able to still put in that quality time with someone, uh, even though they have busy schedules. Yeah, that, that, that's that's tough, man. I mean, yeah, it really would depend on how busy their schedule is, but a lot of that really comes to prioritization, I would say. You know, try to reprioritize some things. Sometimes we, we add things to our life. You know, sometimes people that are overly uh, overly busy have trouble saying no, but, you know, assuming that everything is legit. I think uh, I think one of the things that you can do. I don't know if this really uh, fixes the problem, but at l- the least you could do is make that person feel like you wish you could spend quality time with them, or that you're thinking about them. So you know, maybe you maybe you leave a note, or you know, leave them some notes, or you know, give them a call in the middle of the day just to check on them. When you have a couple minutes, even if you get voicemail, that that type of thing, um, you know, that could be a way. If you if you legitimately do not have that extra time to spend uh, with them, just you know, going out of your way to make them feel special. That's about you know the best that I that I advise. How about you? Yeah, and I think it's going to be different depending on the state of your relationship. If you're married right. with someone already. I mean, you don't have a choice. You need to find quality time. You know, that's your top priority. You need to make things happen to be able to put in some quality time uh, for your spouse. Uh, when you're early on dating, you know, that that's kind of a, a red flag there, that if uh, if one of the, the persons, one of the parties uh, are seemingly too busy, um, it's not just going to go away, you know. So uh, you got to ask yourself early on, is this something that you can deal with? Um, however, if you do find that you are interested in someone, uh, then, then it's going to be up to you to to make those adjustments and make that priority. I'm a Capricorn, so it's got to be on my calendar, or else I, you know, I'm going to forget or just not do it. Um, so, you know, sometimes that has to be done. Sometimes you put it on the calendar. Uh, pencil in time. You pencil in time for your appointments. You pencil in time for everything else. Pencil in time for your significant other or someone that you're trying to court and, and to show them. Listen, I don't have a lot of time, but when I got you for this hour whether it be an hour, a week, whatever, that we can actually physically see each other, then this is your time, you know. And when you're with them, put down the technology. Get off the phone, you know, no text messaging anybody else, no Facebook, all that kind of stuff, and give them that time. 
you know, or also, you know, try to incorporate them in what you do. You know, if there's any kind of way that they can uh, be a part of what it is that you do, uh, maybe, you know, if you do some kind of job where they can come um, and, and watch what you do, we'll just be there with you, we'll just kind of hang out, you know, um, those are some of the things that uh, early on, are ways that you can get that quality time in unconventional ways and still show that you're interested uh, and, and try to make the other person feel important and really tap into what it is that they need uh, if it's that quality time. Uh, but worse than worse, when you really you can't force it. You know, if you're seeing that this just isn't working the time that you need, you know, if you if you need uh, three four hours every single night, and you know someone is working and can't give you that time, then it, regardless of how good they are, how nice they are. Uh, that person just may not be for you right now, you know, and, and right. that's a hard reality to come to a lot of times, especially when you're dating and you're lonely, <laughs> you know, the, the idea that you got to let someone go because your schedules don't match up. Uh, unfortunately, that's that that's part of dating. That's why you date, to find out if that's going to work and instead of trying to force a square hole into a uh, square peg rather into a round hole. You know, sometimes you got to be able to, to be the bigger one to move on and say, uh, this just isn't going to work for us right now, so. Yo, your, hey, your answers were were uh, blew mine out the water, man. <laughs> that, that, well, that I, was, and that's usually that what happens good. when we answer questions. But I mean, I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, you know, I, I yeah. should be used to it by now. I know. But uh, <laughs> the one thing that I will say is that uh, you you bring up a great distinction about the difference between being married and and dating. And I think that uh, you know, if you are in a marriage situation, uh, sometimes if you need motivation to to, to make that time or whatever. Just understand that that um, you know you you said that you're too busy for your marriage. It's going to be a lot harder to to do your job or whatever if your marriage is falling apart. So, so you know you work yeah, right, right. for granted and and uh, you know invest that time so that you can be successful in both areas. Absolutely, so that's a good answer and good comeback. Yeah, <laughs> you know all I did was piggyback on on, on your stuff, man. You, yeah. you, you know that's all I did there. All right, and I. So we're going to go with the last thing. Real quick. <laughs> that could have got messy real quick. No, I'm serious, man. I mean, you gave me some time to think. I was like, yeah, you know what? That's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I normally ask you the questions. That way I can think of the good answers. Why you right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, man, it, it works. It works. It's a system. <laughs> so this was actually a question that um, you posed in the group um, about um, – <laughs> That you you titled it forsaking all others or functional infidelity, and I'll let you go ahead and break down. I didn't type up the whole um, question, but go ahead and break down what you were trying to ask, and then we'll kind of t- talk on that real quick for a couple of seconds. Yeah, well, basically, I, I'd heard on NPR one day there's an advice columnist that that says that that he doesn't always advise that married people not cheat, and what he said was that you know everything else, you know, he'd run into too many couples who have been married. Uh, for 25 years and 15 years in the marriage, one partner said, you know, they just weren't interested in sex anymore. And that, um, and, you know, sometimes if sex was the only problem, it, it made sense because marriage does have a lot of different things that go on in it. It made sense, you know, for the one partner who was interested to, to get, you know, those needs fulfilled elsewhere and um, and for them to still you know, manage the kids together and, you know, the vacations and, and, the, and the family and all that kind of stuff in and, and, and a very, uh, because other than the sex piece, the, the rest of the marriage is very functioning. So, you know, I thought that was, that was a really interesting take. Um, and, you know, my, my logical brain 
said, wow, this kind of makes sense. But but then, you know, I, I ran that past my wife, and she didn't think that was uh, <laughs> that makes much sense. So uh, so I thought I posed. Not surprised. <laughs> Not not as not as a not not that I was proposing that, but you know, just shared it with with her, and I think she said uh, some words that I can't say on the radio. So what was your take? What was your take on it? You know, you know, for me, and maybe because a lot of this is you know fresh on on my mind because we're going through the premarital counseling right now. So a lot of these subjects we're dealing with and everything. So my answers now may not have been the same as I would have answered 10 years ago. Um, but, you know, it, when, when you're going into the marriage thing, you know, you make the commitment for sickness or health. Um, so that, that part of that commitment in, in, uh, includes if my spouse can no longer have sex with me, I'm cool with never having sex again. That's kind of when you really break it down. That's what that vow was saying. So, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't see – that, that that being a, a viable option for me, you know, um, if my spouse is not having sex, well, I'm just go out here and, and go sleep with someone else and not consider that wrong. You know, that's what I'm saying, not consider that. I, I couldn't see that as, okay, well, this is cool within our relationship. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So, you know, for me, I, I, I pray that it never happens, <laughs> you know. If, if sex no longer becomes an uh, intricate part of our relationship, then hopefully it's something else. One, it's a mutual thing, and it's other things to uh, keep us going. But, uh, yeah, I just couldn't see that as um, as being a viable option in, in any relationship that I am in. So, yeah, that was that – You was know, I think, I, think, I think that topic deserves some revisiting, man. I, think, I mean, we had a, some really good uh, discussion about it. Maybe we'll get – a, a marriage and family therapist on the on the show, and we'll we'll, we'll ask them about it. it. You know, pro bono, of course. Right. Um, but because uh, they don't need the money, we know that. Um, and and we'll uh, discuss it in more detail. Yeah, we we'll have to do that. Bring them on and 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 unpack it a little more, as they say. Right. There so, you go. So, so good stuff. Well, man, that's that's it for another show for us, man. Why don't you go ahead and tell people how they can get their Ryan and Brian fixed throughout the week. Yeah, you can go to www.rybrideshow.com. We're on Twitter at Show. We are at www.rybrideexchange.com and Facebook slash Show. Have a great evening. Peace. Gotta huff and buff and blow the walls right now. Don't aim for the block, aim for the stars. Neptune, Saturn, Uranus, and Mars. So even if you fall, you can land in the cloud. Better aim for the mansion and land in the house. Sky ain't the limit no more. Look past that, see the finish line, and then laugh.